You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to G Talk, Girl Be Heard's podcast and new platform for girls to express themselves beyond the stage. I'm your host, Zoe Norman Hunt. One, two, three, four. Listen up. Time for girls, all of us, to take the stage. Girl Be Heard. What? It's 2020, and the coronavirus continues to spread across the country. That has not stopped our girls from being heard. Our 2020 mainstay show, Citizen Be Heard, Our Wildest Dreams, was scheduled to open on April 22nd. Girl Be Heard had to cancel all of our spring performances due to the pandemic. Not to worry. Starting today, G Talk will begin a new series of podcasts highlighting original works by the cast of Girl Be Heard's 2020 mainstay show, Citizen Be Heard. Today, we'll hear from Jamila Rosemond and Menasha Thomas, who will perform their original work from the show. My name is Jamila Rosemond, and I'm a company member with Girl Be Heard. You can see more of our main stage show in the coming weeks on www.girlbeheard.org, and you can follow me on Instagram at jmills, that's J-M-I-L-S, and you can follow my blog at www.girlswithbeautyandbrains.com. My name is Menasha Thomas, and I'm also a company member. You can see more of our videos of our work on Girl Be Heard's YouTube channel. You can follow me on Instagram at MEN4SHA, and that's the number four. So we're just going to hear a little bit from Jamila. Um, her poem is called Don't Leave Us Alone, spelled L-O-A-N. Take it away. There's nothing like the feeling of getting accepted to college. I remember I was on the bus on my way to an event when I got the email. I felt myself holding my breath, but I couldn't help it. This is something I've wanted for so long. <gasps> I got in. Oh my gosh, I got into my dream college. This is crazy. Yeah, it was a good day. But it was also the day I fully understood how expensive school was. The day I realized college was just for the rich. $81,000. Oh wait, $81,000 times four years, so $324,000 to get an education. $324,000 to grow and to learn. $324,000 just to train at one of the top drama programs. I felt sick to my stomach because there was a possibility that I wouldn't be able to go to my college, to live out my dreams. Forget about me. There are kids who can't go to college at all. It's so hard to get an education in America. The worst part is when colleges act like they don't know what scholarships are, like there isn't enough to go around. However, the president of my college just got a raise and is making five times as much as the president of the United States. But we have students drowning in debt that will never be paid. Since when did education become a privilege? All of the stressing, all of the loans, all of the sleepless nights, and a job isn't even guaranteed. We plead and plead, make college affordable. No, just make college free. Well, this is America, and this is our education system. This isn't new, and this must stop. Wow. Oh my gosh. So it's $324,000 for four years. Yes, it is. It's a lot. Yeah, that is insane. I'm pretty sure you can buy like a house with that. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And they have us paying Um, for an education for that much. mm -hmm. I mean, it was really thought provoking your poem. And I was just thinking in one of your lines, you talked about how the day you got into NYU was also the day that you realized college was just for the rich. 
Do you think the decision to choose to go to NYU is still worth it to you? I do because they're giving me my money worth. Now, it's a lot, yes, but like the network system there and the circle that they have there is so strong with so many um, professionals in the field that I want to be in that I can make so many connections while I'm in college and after I'm in college. And so I know that the NYU community um, and the alumni community mm-hmm. is so strong that I can, you know, have a success- successful career even mm-hmm. after college. And so I feel yeah. very confident about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're paying for the connections. Yeah. And like the alumni, you're kind of paying to go to college to be an alumni. Right. And the training. The training is also amazing. I love how all my professors are like still doing what I aspire to do because, you know, it's different Mm -hmm. when a professor is like, yeah, I used to do that. But But it's like when your professor is still doing that and they're still like performing on Broadway and still like, you know, going on tour. That's like a whole different, you know, different like drive to like wanting to do what you want to do. Yeah, I know a lot of like the professors are still in the business, like you said. Yeah. So it's very yeah. like direct and personal. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that was that was probably a very hard decision for you, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that you got to make that decision. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so I have another question. Um, who was this poem addressed to? So you talk about like the demands for free college and the high cost, but who are you really talking to? I think it's um, multiple people. I think at first it's, you know, everyone knows that feeling of when they got accepted to college. Like it's really special. And so it's, you know, everyone can relate to that. And I think once I like expose the cost of it, you know, everyone knows how expensive school is. And I think I was Mm. really jabbing it at the administration of my specific school and just like the state and how we can decrease the the cost of college as a whole. So mostly to my administration. Hmm. I know you talked a little bit about how the administration's been pushing back on giving refunds due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Have they have you made any headroom with advocating for the student body? Yes, we um have done so many petitions and so we were <laughs> able to get like partial refund on housing and then like they said we were gonna get like partial refund of the tuition and how much is the partial refund of the housing oh i'm not really sure my mom got the like refund check don't worry but i'm not even sure i'm sure it's a lot yeah it was it was a good amount like that was fair it was fair um Mm -hmm. and then they said they were giving partial tuition but they actually gave partial like equipment fee, so it was only like thirty five dollars that we got back oh instead of God. like eighteen grand that we were like we thought we were getting <laughs> back, and so it was like wow, like we we thought we were you know oh getting. Oh my a, God! Yeah, no. <laughs> so and we're still this, working yeah. on it, but we'll see. Yeah, I hope I hope that this works. I mean, you deserve that money because you're you're definitely not going to NYU now. You're at home. Exactly. It's definitely not the same. It's Zoom 23 now, not NYU mm. 23. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's crazy because like you probably imagined yourself being on campus the entire year, but now you're just video chatting in. Yeah. And like that's I so was much not different. expecting that at all. And there were so many things I was looking forward mm. to. Like the spring semester just started. And so there was like spring clubs that I was going to join. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. And so I kind of feel 
like how the seniors feel in a way because this is like my first year where I'm supposed to like get comfortable mm-hmm. into the camp, especially you, Manasha. Like this is your last year in high school mm-hmm. to complete some stuff that you want to do before you leave high school. And so it's that I kind of, you know, I feel how you are feeling in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's different, but it's also quite the yeah, same it's, because it's, it's a very new experience for you. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, well, I was working, you know, so hard to get um, a graduation and to have a ceremony and to have a prom. And I'm sure like I'm not alone in this feeling that, you know, I wish we could have had some stuff um, to commemorate like how hard we've been working. But I think hopefully we're going to have something in the fall. Um, yeah, I hope you but guys do. it won't be the same. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's still going to be the same when you come back? No. And I know a lot of colleges are having that early conversation of having Zoom for the next yeah. semester for fall. How do you feel about that? If that happens, I think I want to either uh, take a semester, like an academic semester, or mm-hmm. um, What's take that? a semester off. Because um, I'm a drama major, and so my – my major is really hands-on. Like I have to mm-hmm. be in the studio. I have like, it's just really weird doing it in my mm, house. I don't think yeah. I really want to do that. I don't want to pay that much money mm-hmm. to, you know, to dance in my house. I want to dance at the studio. Right. Exactly. And so in that case, I would just, you know, knock out all my gen eds, all my um, general mm-hmm. education, like math and science and focus mm-hmm. on my minor. Cause I'm trying to minor in business and entertainment. Um, oh, and cool. so I would probably focus on that because it's just not worth the money to be doing drama in my house yeah that's really important because you can kind of do that anywhere exactly Um, yeah yeah I think I think the bigger colleges with like a bigger endowment are actually focusing on moving to online because they can like you know afford that while like Mm -hmm. the ones with like smaller endowments I think they kind of have to you know they have no choice but they have to be on campus right right yeah which is really unfair I'm hoping for the best I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. we can all go you can go to college in the fall I can go back to college in the fall yeah yeah definitely since we've been talking about like how much this is stressing us out do you think college is worth the mental stress or maybe is community college the future of education I I know that's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely think community college is probably the future of education because all the private institutions are – they increase. They get more expensive every single year. Right. At a certain point, it's just not going to be affordable at all. Mm -hmm. And so – I think community college takes a really like load of stress off us, a lot of students back. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's the route that it's going to happen. Is it worth the mental stress? Not really. It's, it's, some people can handle, you know, more than others and it's just knowing how much you can handle. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that just plays a big factor into it. But I think, you know, a lot of my friends um, have went to, are going to community college for two years and then going to a private institution for another two years. Yeah, that's a great um, Just so it's cheaper, yeah, which I understand for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think there's also, like, or stigma about, like, going to community college in general because it's, you know, not this, like, private university with, like, this great campus and, you know, great students and it's well-known. But, like, you know, they're saving money. We're going to come right. out of here with, like – you know, thousands of dollars in loan debt. Who's really winning? <laughs> Them. <laughs> they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yep. It's it's always about like, oh, where are you going to college? And like, mm, people always yeah. judge you based on that. Yeah. Well, not I know everyone that's a big wants thing to go to Harvard school. or Yale mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. it's all, 
depends on what your your goals are. And, you know? Exactly. I know there are many people, you know, who didn't even go to college and are still like making and are think. successful mm-hmm. with no student debt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. honestly, like they're winning. They're winning. Right, they're winning. And like exactly, like we have to pay money to what sit in our house with a Zoom, <laughs> like. Yep. That's what we're paying for. It's crazy. I mean, I agree with you. I think that community college is definitely the future of education. And we should, like, you know, stop stigmatizing it because it's a real thing. Like, it is definitely beneficial monetarily-wise, you know. You know, the education is just as good. I know a lot of these professors, they teach at community colleges part-time and then they go to the private universities because the private universities aren't paying them that much. Right. I heard that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your poem. I really loved it. It was so thought-provoking. Yeah. Thank you for picking my brain with those questions. <laughs> I mean, so it's a really interesting topic. Yes, it's called Parched Souls. Ooh, okay. For the kids in the United States of America, this is a United State of depression, a mental health crisis left untreated, psychological wounds left to deepen, Suicide is the second leading cause of death in teens. One second is the difference between life or death. Each second is an exhale of a soul, ready to leave caskets behind. Tick, tick, tick for each second that writes a eulogy of forgotten names. We don't need your pretty lies. We don't need you to tell us to just take another antidepressant. Prozac, Lexapro, Selexa. What's broken is in our minds, and what we also need is therapy, treatment, and time to heal. Our anxiety and depression are real. The proof is in our history. We are the kids who grew up post-9-11 during an era of school shootings and gun violence, who live amidst a climate crisis, and during a time where a scroll and double tap can only make us feel more insecure. We are parched souls begging for TLC. So lend an ear to our scars and tell us you hear our cries when we say we're hurting. When we tell you that the number of teens with depression has increased by more than 50% in the last 10 years. When we yell that therapy costs on average $90 per hour. And that tonight, we might have to choose between dinner and our health. That was parched souls. That's amazing. And I think that's such an important topic for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely line. connects to yeah. your piece also. Yes, it does. And that's kind of a segue. Like, I know you kind of asked me this, but how do you feel school affects teens' mental health? You know, I the mean, whole application mm-hmm. and like. Yeah. So in New York City, we have to apply to high school and we also have to apply to middle school and we have to apply to elementary school. Mm-hmm. And we also have to apply to college, of course. And that, like, in and of itself, is just like it takes such a mental toll on the student because they have to like make these big decisions when they're 13 years old, when, you know, their brain hasn't even been fully developed yet. They have to like, you know, deal with the pressure of knowing, you know, that this is going to change their life. And that's like big. That, first of all, that's big. And I don't think we should be putting that pressure on teens. 
and also just like the schoolwork, the the sheer lack of like guidance counselors and like uh, supportive teachers who actually care about the students and their mental health. Right. You know, rather than assigning them like five hours of homework, maybe they could do like a little less and then like, you know, kind of take a break the next day and then like give them time to recoup, maybe ask the students what they would want instead, what would make them feel good mentally, because I know that's been a big problem in my school. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I just think it's so weird how all the work we do, everything we learn in high school and in secondary school is just so we can go to college. Like it's not Mm. for the fact to simply learn. And that really bugs me because I know, I mean, there's many times where I've studied just so I can get a good grade on the test. I didn't Mm -hmm. study like just to like really learn it. And then when you do that, you like forget all the information. It's like, I don't don't remember that. I just remembered it Mm -hmm. for the test type thing. Mm -hmm. And so I I just think that's weird. And that also creates a lot of um, stress on a lot of teens and it's it just makes school not fun like I know a lot of people who don't think school is fun at all and I understand why like it could be it could be so fun Mm -hmm. but there's just so much stress put on us like oh like you have to go to an Ivy League and you Mm -hmm. have to get straight A's and you have to get these awards Mm -hmm. at senior year and so Mm -hmm. that's just a lot on someone's mental health and then that's when it creates so much tension in between students and everything Mm. seems like a competition yeah I agree with that I think it's definitely like perpetuated by like the fact that, you know, everyone says, oh, you have to work so hard to get like a degree and then you have to work hard. Mm -hmm. You have to work even harder to get a job and then you have to work even harder to actually make money. But like, yeah, that is not the path. That's not the only path to success. Like, when do you rest? When mm -hmm. do you self-care? Where where does Mm -hmm. all of that come in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I know like many people who, you know, have maybe not gotten the best grades in high school, but I, they, I know they are flourishing in college because they have more, you know, like maybe they have more like mental support or like they're just like taking it easier or, you know, they've realized like what they need to do well. And those right. are the people who really are able to achieve success, like in the job world, whatever. But yeah. And they're happier. They're happy. Yeah. I think like I've noticed like when I actually like even during this pandemic, like I've taken a lot more time to like actually self-care and like actually Mm -hmm. get eight hours of sleep. And that has actually like made me more productive and it has like made me want to like actually care more about my work rather than just like rote memorization. I don't know about you, but no, that's good. I mean, for me, I'm still trying to figure it out because my classes are just giving a lot of work. I don't know if it's because Mm. they don't know how to, you know, figure out this whole online thing. And so they feel like the need to, you know, assign a lot of work. And so I'm Mm. still struggling on finding sleep again. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's it's a lot for the brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we definitely need more teachers who are supportive and who know how to like actually, who, who believe that mental health is an issue. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And we should normalize mental health days. I've definitely taken some of those. Yes. And, you know, I, I know that some of my teachers would not be pleased with that because they think it's like, you know, I'm slacking. But no, mental health is still a part of your health. You need yeah, to get that sleep. I agree. You need to, you know, recoup and, you know, maybe maybe like take a nice bath or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, No, yeah, yeah that's, that's funny you say that because like some of my professors when I was – like actually on campus, they always encourage like um, self-care and like, if you need to take a day, take a day. But Mm -hmm. the problem with that is like, but if you miss a day, you are going to likely fail. So then now you're guilt, you're you're guilt tripping people, Mm -hmm. students 
to like not miss, but you're like, you can miss, but you know, you got to choose between your grade and your mental health. And it's like, what? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're making it seem like you care, but then mm-hmm. the consequences aren't fair. So it's, right. it's really interesting to hear that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Okay. So you also, there was also a part in your, um, piece where you mentioned like a scroll and a double tap, you know, only mm-hmm. makes us feel insecure. So do you think social media is the primary reason of mental health in teens and how so? Um, I think it's part of it. I mean, I think definitely like it has, you know, blown up so much over the past 20 years and we've been mm-hmm. able to see like, you know, different things that we couldn't get to see without like, you know, social media. So like we're able to get information much quicker, but then we're also like finding ourselves like, you know, looking at what could be like the things we could do or like right. the people we could be or the people we could look like. And then I think that makes us more feel more insecure because we see, you know, maybe all these beautiful faces and then we think, you know, well, why can't I look like that? You know, what am I doing wrong? And then I think it just traps us in that cycle of like feeling bad. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think it's part of it. I, I do think that, like, social media has allowed us to, like, you know, spread information quickly. I mean, not that everything is, you know, co- entirely correct on social media, but I think that, like, it has made us feel, like, teens for sure because we use it the most. I think it has made us feel more insecure, like FOMO and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I know a lot of, you know, the – the choices that people make or how they want to look and their their fashion style is all based on social media. Like mm-hmm. it's always like, oh, I want to look like this person. So I'm going to start dressing like this now. And so yeah. I think that can be a little toxic because now you don't really know who you are truly. You're just exactly. you know, mimicking how someone got okay. famous online, you know, mm-hmm. so that could be a little toxic. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. No, definitely. It's something that I think we need to moderate. Taking breaks from social media is helpful. I know like sometimes I just get like overloaded by, you know, these apps, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll just delete the app and I find myself like, you know, sometimes grabbing my phone and wanting to re-download it. But also I, you know, kind of crave wanting to just kind of like be in my own shell and not having to worry about like my insecurities through social media and all of that. But right. Yeah, I agree. Those are definitely important. Sometimes I'm like, okay, this is too much. I need to delete these apps because I'm like seeing the same thing over and over on social media, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you definitely need to take a break. mm -hmm. Like you can endlessly scroll. That's a thing. Like, yes, there is. mm -hmm. You just get trapped in. I know with TikTok, I just get trapped in it because you endlessly scroll. Right, yeah. and a, a five-minute break turns into, like, an hour, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, you mm-hmm. don't get anything yeah. done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, definitely. So, what inspired you overall to write this piece? You know, the topic of mental health isn't really talked about, and I think that I kind of just wanted to highlight that um, through, you know, a youth perspective, like, coming directly from, you know, someone who is Gen Z, because I think that's really how we can, like, you know, tell these adults that we need more support, we need, you know, more counseling, we need this, that, whatever. And I think that when it comes from, like, a really direct source, um, someone who is struggling with mental health and someone who has been through like, you know, high school and has applied to college and knows like the stresses that are kind of associated with both. It's more authentic and it's more real and it's a message that needs to be spread. What are you hoping people take from this piece, you know, young and old? 
I think that, you know, we should really take the message of like this actually being important, mental health actually being an issue, because I mentioned like a couple statistics and I really wanted to hit home with those statistics. Like, yeah, because we, you know, can hear numbers, but then when we actually like hear them in context, you know, therapy being $90 per hour on average, like that's insane. That is literally like two dinners. You know, like that's that's a lot of money. And how do we pay for that when we have, you know, like minimum wage jobs? We're teenagers, you know? Right. Right. So I think you did a good job comparing, you know, two things together because everyone loves it. Everyone can understand and loves a good comparison. So yeah, I think you really think, did a, a good job doing that. Thank you. I think it just puts it more into perspective, um, yeah. you know, the issue of mental health and like how real it is um, for our generation, you know, like because we have been through school shootings, because we have like a lot of gun violence in our country, because, you know, we had 9-11 and that's what we grew up after. I think it's definitely a real issue that we should be talking about more and that schools should really focus on and invest their money in. Right. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. And my last question would be, you know, a lot of adults and parents, they they grew up differently. And so yeah. I feel like mental health to them is kind of foreign to them in a way. Mm. So do you feel like many adults or parents don't take the mental health of teens seriously? Because I know like there's a stigma in the in the black community where it's like, oh, you, you're feeling sad? Then go to church, pray mm-hmm. about it. Mm. So do you feel like there's a type of stigma around the adults and parents regarding mental I health? Think- Definitely. I mean, you talked about the black community, but in the Asian community, that's definitely the same. It's like, oh, you're fine. You just need to like work harder. You're Mm -hmm. just like, you're just tired, you know, whatever. You just need to get that grade. But then like, you don't see what's kind of going on inside. And you can only really see what's going on physically. So for me, like, it's kind of hard to explain to my parents, like, hey, I, you know, don't feel good mentally when they can't see it. You know? Right. It's so yeah. hard to to um, explain that to them because they just don't understand. Mm-hmm. When they were like when they were their age, you know, it was so much easier to apply to college. I mean, my parents didn't grow, grow up in the U.S., but like it was still I would say it's still like like the lifestyles and like the like cost of living was cheaper and it was easier and you know like it wasn't as hard like the job market is I'm sure going to be really hard after like Mm -hmm. this pandemic and it's things have gotten really hard for us yeah Life in this pandemic has been kind of eye-opening for me because I feel like before this, I was always on the go and um, I never really took time to focus on my feelings and stuff like that. And so being in the house and, you know, having to stay in one place really opened up a lot for me emotionally. And it also um, helped me realize that I need to work on patience and, you know, really just, you know, um, staying grounded and focused and you know, not trying to speed up any process or trying or stressing about things that I can't fix. I think for me, like it's been kind of surreal because I feel like you, you know, I've been, I, for the times that I have to, I had to walk outside, you know, I see people like lining up for the supermarket. I see people, you know, like lining up for the pharmacy or, you know, struggling to um, make ends meet because, you know, this pandemic has hit them hard. You know, it's, it's kind of just made me more reflective and like really focus in on issues that like actually that you know have been playing plaguing communities for forever i think like of course the issue of like hunger and like poverty has been a 
of course, a big issue. But I think that the pandemic has just made it like hit it even harder. And I think now is the chance for like senators and congressmen and women to really take action um, now more than ever. So I think it's made me more reflective on like the things that we actually need to solve. Yeah, I think it also kind of made me in the beginning, mm-hmm. a little frustrated because I was like, what can I do to help? And I remember um, one of my professors was like, well, creating art because this whole quarantine, if you notice, like yeah. everyone relies on, you know, watching TV shows, binging movies on Netflix. And I don't think re- people realize how important art was um, right. then, but it's so important now more than ever because it's getting people through this terrible time, especially like with the TikTok skits and stuff like that. And so I've been trying to create more art on my own as well. And I feel like that's maybe my way, um, you know, fighting against the, mm, you know, art is so slept on during this pandemic. <laughs> For real. For real. <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome to hear that you're making art during this time. I was actually going to ask, and the other question I had for you guys was Michael Moore was on um, Stephen Colbert recently on, you know, one of the late night shows and, it's been interesting to see how all the late night hosts have handled this pandemic and all like certain television stars, etc. But Michael Moore asked, the real question we need to ask ourselves is after this, you know, quarantine is quote unquote over, what kind of an America do we want to live in? Because I feel like this has revealed a lot of the problems within our country. No one was really ready for this, but America especially seems the least prepared, despite being a quote unquote first world country. So what kind of America in your mind do you want to see after this is over? I think the America that's more like understanding because everyone was kind of hit hard in their own way, more some people more than others. But I think like the, you know, the reality is, you know, that a lot of us were cooped up in our apartments without, you know, with limited food and we had to wear masks every time we stepped outside. So I think America an America that's more understanding and also like, you know, is able to kind of see, like, walk in the footsteps of someone else who maybe didn't have food, you know, during this pandemic, or maybe someone who was struggling or unemployed. Um, I think some, an America also that has, you know, like, is providing services, like, legitimate, like, real services um, for, you know, citizens who need it, because there are definitely so many people who are struggling right now. And I mean, there have been, like, checks that they sent out. The government sent out, you know, for you know, people who are struggling. It might be everyone, actually, I'm not sure. But that was definitely helpful. But I think there could be, there has to be more that is done. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say the same thing. America after this should definitely provide uh, more for Americans, um, especially those who need it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, like, there's a statistic that over 30 million people have filed for unemployment. And it's going to be hard for them to get right back on their feet after this. And so definitely, you know, being lenient on certain things and really trying to help instead of like, you know, just everything costing and how expensive everything is to survive. Um, I think we just need yeah. to help each other mm-hmm. um, get through this after this is over. I think that's all very accurate. Oh, I did have another question. Um, How has virtual rehearsal for the uh, Girl Be Heard's main stage show been for you guys it's not the same at all <laughs> you know it's not yeah. the same because but kim has like, <laughs> done an excellent job of like making it still and like actually caring about what we have to say and you know caring about how we've been 
you know, the first question is always like, like, how have you been doing? What have you been doing? Have you been making art? But also like, you know, focusing, of course, on like the rehearsal aspect and like rehearsing and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely not the same, but I think we're making the most out of it. Mm. And we've done some pretty amazing stuff, you know, just online, like we did the whole census video for a competition. (laughs) And so like, we're still doing the thing. But you know, it's not the same when you know, in person, when you're collaborating, like it just feels good. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more, yeah. you know, inspiring and motivating. And I mean, you've been so supportive, like, you know, like right. even sending us gifts and little care packages, self-care packages, which is it's amazing and so supportive. Thank you. Yeah, that oh was so Oh my God, so I'm nice. so glad that's been helpful for you guys. That's awesome. Well, I loved your poem. And I think that we both touched on like really big topics that we yeah. need to start talking about more uh-huh. because and I, I think- don't want to pay the cost of a house to go to college. <laughs> exactly. This has been a special edition of G Talk with performances from Girl Be Heard's 2020 main stage show, Citizen Be Heard, Our Wildest Dreams. A special thanks goes out to the cast Alyssa Martinez, Cameron Bruno, Denaza Provet, Felicity Forte, Jamila Rosemond, Nikema Warren, Manasha Thomas, Spencer Sanchez, and Wendy Kabul. This is a Girl Be Heard production, and thanks for listening. This episode has been produced by Kim Sykes and the cast of our 2020 main stage show. Our executive producers are Chi Katano and Kim Sykes. I'm your host, Zoe Norman Hunt. And remember, it's not enough to talk. You must be heard. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.